On today's episode of Shooting the Breeze, we talk about severe weather safety. It's severe weather preparedness week in central Illinois, and severe weather season is just around the corner. We bring in, this time, an interview with Warning Coordination Meteorologist Chris Miller from the National Weather Service in Lincoln and discuss all the things that you could be doing now to prepare for severe weather, which is bound to happen in the next couple of months. So sit back, relax, and let's shoot the breeze with your local weather authority. Hello, everybody. I'm your local weather authority, Chief Meteorologist Chris Yates, joined by meteorologist Molly Naslin. Hello, everyone. And meteorologist Adam Sherwinski. Howdy. How you guys doing? Fabulous on this fabulous Friday. Are we already on episode five? We did it. We're halfway to double digits. Halfway. A whole five fingers. Wow. One hand. You know who else didn't think we'd get to five? You. Me. <laughs> Didn't we say that like three episodes yeah, ago? Yeah. Usually, I think when we got to episode two, I was just impressed. Yeah. I was listening to episode two the other day and I was like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> he didn't think we'd get this far, huh? <laughs> it's always fun because, I mean, we just, we have so much on our plates. We do. Yes. And we're like, here's another thing. And we weren't, to be clear, there wasn't any boss who asked me to do that. I'm like, we've got Adam on the team. Let's do a podcast. And I'm like, yeah. this is going to be more work for everybody. <laughs> Yeah. But it's fun. It's fun. This is good. It's a. It's nice to have a conversation, and I get to see all of us now together. I know we get to see each other once, once a, a week, week yeah. which is like Christmas. Bonding. <laughs> Usually, when we see each other, it seems there's always bad weather. I, yeah. Usually, I see Molly in the morning and Chris in the afternoon. So now I get to see them both at the same time. Yeah. Woo. This is fun. I wish. I wish we would have had this uh, going sooner. Uh, but back to uh, this week's topic of conversation: severe. Weather preparedness week uh, is typically about the first week of March, and uh, so we thought this would be a good episode to kind of get back into the severe weather groove, and that's where we're going. Get us out of the snow. I'm looking forward to some thunderstorms. Not not severe thunderstorms. No, just just the rumble of thunder. Yeah, just I miss the rain and and saying Mm -hmm. thunderstorms in my forecast. I I don't know about you, but come August, I'm going to be sick of it, and I'm going to want my snow back, but that's me. I understand. You didn't say that last year. Mm, no, I didn't. But I'm gonna want my snow back. Okay, that's just the way it goes. We'll, we'll keep. We'll keep a. Uh, there's a. There's a. There's a. Towards the end of summer, the weather just gets boring. If it's hot, if it's I humid. hear you utter the words "I miss snow," I'm going to remind <laughs> you about how much snow we, we got have it recorded now. We have it recorded it's, now. Uh, yeah. Well, and we will play this back. Oh, when yeah. I'm pitching a fit next January. About yes. How <laughs> Mark my words. All right. So, yeah, uh, we had a great interview uh, coming up here with meteorologist, uh, warning coordination meteorologist from the National Weather Service in Lincoln, Chris Miller, and uh, gave us a, a, just a lot of uh, good tips. And, and it was just a really good conversation mm-hmm. about uh, about severe weather uh, preparedness. And here's how that conversation went. All right, Chris, severe weather preparedness right. week. Um, what is one of the most important things and takeaways uh, for this week for people in central Illinois? Probably one of the biggest takeaways we have for severe weather preparedness is we are entering the severe weather season. I mean, typically we can have severe weather any time of the year, but we typically ramp up in March, April, especially in May and June. And we want to make sure that people are ready as far as just thinking, where would they go if a tornado were to approach? Uh, What would they do if they heard that a 
a massive line of storms with 80 mile an hour winds were, were approaching the area. Um, you know, we want to make sure that people are aware for both at home, traveling, uh, wherever they might be when severe storms occur, because they will happen. They occur every year, uh, even in drought years. And so uh, this could be a particularly active season. So we want to make sure everybody is, is uh, up to date on what they need to do to stay safe. And is the first day, um, do you, are you guys breaking this down by day by focusing on a different aspect of severe weather? throughout the week? Well, we're pretty much um, breaking this down into not so much by days, but um, th there are some topics that we're really going to be focusing on this year. Probably one of the biggest topic is the severe thunderstorms and, and severe thunderstorm warnings. Uh, we find that too many times uh, people tend to ignore those because they think that, well, it's not a tornado warning. It's not going to bother me. Um, but um, they can definitely cause cause problems with very high winds. Uh, we had a, what we call a derecho, a, a large storm that came through uh, last year in August uh, that uh, devastated about the northern half of Illinois. Uh, a lot of areas in, uh, in your viewing area were, were impacted by that storm. Um, hail storms uh, can do millions in damage uh, and, and flash flooding. Uh, we get a lot of flash flooding around here and all it takes is a, a very heavy downpour of rain to get the flash flooding going. So we want to make sure that people are obviously focusing on tornadoes, but the other aspects of severe weather as well. Um, really, uh, another question that's pretty good. And you mentioned that uh, the, the people always say, oh, well, tornadoes are usually the forefront when they're thinking about severe weather. They don't really pay attention to the severe thunderstorm stuff. Um, this might be a weird question to ask, but do you think it's just because of the terminology? Is it because the way we talk about it in meteorology when it comes to tornadoes versus the other topics? Is that part of the reason why people may be like, eh, it's just a, a strong thunderstorm with a dollar size, hey, or not dollar, that's not a real money amount, um, <laughs> really size, but um, a minivan sized hail and 80 mile per hour winds, but it's not a tornado <laughs> at least. Um, do you think it's just something like more of the mindset of the public? Yeah, absolutely. And and it obviously we do focus a lot on tornadoes. And the other thing is tor tornadoes are very visual things. Um, people have seen pictures of tornadoes if they haven't seen one right, you know, in front of them or in the distance. Um, with a line of severe storms or a storm that's going to produce high wind, large hail, you know, it looks like some dark clouds approaching from the distance. And for most people, it can be very difficult to determine, well, does that storm really mean business or is that just going to give me some rain and a little bit of lightning and, and, and that type of thing. So um, I think that has a lot to do with it. And that's, you know, really the, the message is trust the process um, because when we issue severe thunderstorm warnings uh, you know, we're looking for wind gusts over 60 miles per hour. We are looking for hail one inch in diameter or larger. Um, and in fact, one new thing we have this year that's going to be coming out is uh, what we call um, impact-based warning tags that we're going to put on the severe thunderstorm warnings to specifically state catastrophic damage, considerable damage, um, but also the size of hail, the estimated wind gusts, and that type of thing. Uh, and eventually our uh, wireless emergency alerts on cell phones are going to be activated for those as well. So, um, so really, it's just, I think it's a matter of the, the perception and visualization that, 
that people have seen through the years. Is there a timetable on when the wireless emergency alerts, um, in, uh, where those tags will start going, coming across on that? The Well, the, the tags will come out on, on the warnings. Um, that's going to be here within the next couple of months. The wireless emergency alerts, uh, you know, we're still waiting to, to hear back from uh, FEMA because FEMA runs the what, what's called the iPaws system. That's what gets warnings to your cell phone. And uh, so they are, uh, uh, they need to get back with us on that. But yeah, it's it, it's coming, it, it's 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 in the near future. Good. Uh, that's gonna be a, a huge benefit to people. Uh, another benefit people may not be aware of with the wireless emergency alerts is flash flood warnings. Every single flash flood warning used to go on, uh, on the, uh, on your cell phone. Now uh, we're putting the ones on there that we expect really, you know, considerable or catastrophic damage, ones that, you know, there could be water rescues, um, that type of thing. So uh, again, the ones that really mean business, you're getting alerted for those. Um, kind of to bounce off Adam's question with people's perception of severe thunderstorms versus tornado warnings and stuff like that. Do you think people's perception is going to change after uh, northern Illinois and parts of Iowa did experience that derecho, which was a high wind event? And we do get some of those here locally. Do you think people's perception of what a severe thunderstorm warning means has changed now because of that derecho? I think that's going to change for a lot of people that were impacted by the storm. And we even tend to see that with tornado warnings, unfortunately. Um, unless you've been impacted by one or you've actually seen one, uh, you say, ah, those always happen somewhere else. You know, we always used to hear that here in central Illinois. Uh, and then the devastating tornado in Washington, Illinois occurred. Uh, and um, those things can happen here. So I think it is going to hit closer to home for a lot of people. Uh, because it is so recent, uh, and um, those things definitely happen in this part of the country. Uh, in fact, one thing I always point out, uh, with respect to tornadoes, Illinois ranks fourth in the country for the most tornadoes per square mile. I mean, we're higher than Oklahoma and, and Texas, so we get a lot of tornadoes around here. Uh, there's studies have shown Tornado Alley is shifting more toward the uh, Mississippi and you know, Illinois River Valley, and um, so that's the tornado end of it. But with, with the high wind storms, we're 15 times more likely to have damage from a severe thunderstorm wind than we are from a tornado. Yeah. And it, those usually impact more people. So just because there's damage or trees down doesn't mean it necessarily was a tornado. These severe thunderstorms, they can do quite a bit of damage. And I think people uh, will, will be learning that or have learned it after last year. And you know what, uh, going back, you know, I on that topic of guys I always get asked the questions uh, from people who've been Im impacted by tornadic thunderstorms or tornadoes directly they always ask are there going to be tornadoes i'm like no we're not expecting that to be a big issue but the wind is going to be is going to be a problem and then they tended to shrug it off like oh good and i'm like no i don't think you understand or i mean the wind here is take your tornado damage that you had and then kind of make that out over a much larger area that's going to be impacted. I said, this is going to be far worse than, than just shrugging it off as some gusty winds. Um, so that's something that I know as, um, as uh, the direct line of communication to the public, um, that's something that we kind of try to compete with or deal with in our messaging is say, it's not just wind. It's, it's, it's a lot hmm. more involved with that. Uh, I, there was a, a person I communicate quite often with up uh, up in the Streeter area who's constantly concerned about tornadoes. 
And when that derecho came through, she was worried about the tornado. I'm like, the tornado threat, there's probably going to be some embedded within that. But I said, it's the, the wind. You're going to have some massive wind damage out of this. And I don't, it, it didn't click with her until it actually came through what we were kind of talking about. Because they got hit real hard up there. They did. That's an excellent point, Chris. And, um, you know, we, we, we deal with the same thing with some of the messaging that we do uh, with, with folks. They say, well, it, I always hear that, well, it couldn't have been just wind. Well, I mean, tornado is wind. It just happens to be going in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> this, you know, usually in a smaller area. Um, and the, we look at our statistics here, more than three-fourths of our tornadoes here in central Illinois and across much of the country are the weaker variety. Now, I'm not trying to dispel them like they don't cause injuries or damage. They do. But um, they're smaller scale. They don't cover as large of an area. And the windstorms we get with the severe thunderstorms, as you mentioned, they can spread out for many, many miles, cause a lot more damage, impact a lot more people, and have wind speeds just as high as the weak tornadoes, yeah. if not higher in some cases, like we saw August of 2020. Uh, there was a, uh, a, lot, a lot of folks will tell me, Peoria does never get hit by tornadoes. I'm like, oh, in my six years here, I know we've had at least two that have gone through town. So uh, I'm like, uh, I said, I, at my very short career, at least at this at, at this location uh, in central Illinois, I'm like, yeah, pretty active for my, <laughs> to my Yes. Yeah, I mean, regarding Peoria, too, we've had – I mean, we, we had some tornadoes in Peoria County last year, at least one. Um, um, the thing about, and we track the statistics, and when I started a study on this about 10 years ago, uh, Peoria County, out of the 102 counties in the state of Illinois, ranked about 75th for the most tornadoes per square mile. They are now in the top 50, 55. Uh, that we've gotten several in Peoria County, and that can happen just because you're west of the Illinois River. Yeah does not mean uh, that you can't have tornadoes. I and mean, the strongest tornado ever to hit central Illinois, and this goes way back to the 1930s, but this tornado hit in Peoria County. It was an F5. Um, the highest ranking we can give was it was higher ranked than the Washington tornado. And that affected northern Peoria County, went up into Stark and Marshall County. So was that the Lakin uh, tornado? Definitely can happen. Pardon me? Was that the Lakin tornado? Or is that a different one? I believe so. I can't remember the year. It was in the night. I think it was 1931 or 38, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I'm 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 going yeah. back and looking at a whole bunch of stuff right now, so I'm going to go back and take a look. But yes, you're. Yeah, we do get them. They get them, uh, and they yep. tend to. They people do get a little complacent because they don't happen. The big ones aren't yep. going to happen every year, at least in the same. Hopefully not in the same same spots. But it is it is possible. I and mean, we see this in Florida with uh, with hurricanes. You know, after 10 years of going through hurricane droughts, you get. A whole like people get complacent, but you also get new people who've just never experienced it, and so you kind of have to retrain the public on how to how to prep for things. Which is why I think these severe weather awareness weeks are fantastic because we've got people here who've yep. probably never experienced a severe thunderstorm in their entire life, and uh, are going to be in for some excitement or some scary moments <laughs> as you get into yes. uh, get into the spring and summer. Uh, one thing I want to talk about too is that it, you're right about the uh, the uh, the thought process of that. Well, you know, I've had viewers when I was in Joplin, they would always go, is there going to be a tornado? Is there going to be a tornado? Makes sense because Joplin was hit by an EF5, uh, a devastating EF5. But they do the same thing even down there in getting into uh, Tornado Alley where they get them more consistently. Um, they 
they always go for the tornado first and not the winds or not the hail or not the flooding. And I think it was last spring or the spring before we had significant flooding in McDonald County, Missouri, and people were just kind of like, oh, it's just flooding. And I'm not in McDonald County. I'm in Newton County. Well, there's still a lot of rainfall in Newton County, too, and they're getting close to that mark as well. So, you're, I mean, it's, you're right. Until you see it, some, and those are very visual ones, and flooding is one of those. It's visual, but if it's not there, you're not going to – what are you yeah. doing? Who cares? I'm, not just, I'm just talking yeah, about a bridge. bridge. No, and I'll tell you, with respect to flooding, uh, the village of Roanoke in Woodford County, you know, in Peoria metro area here, um, they had two 1,000-year floods within 12 months. Wow. So, uh, you know, they just, they've had devastating flooding over there. Um, it, it happens in the area frequently. And you say, well, why would they have 2,000 year floods? Well, I mean, a thousand year flood means there's about a, you know, one tenth of a percent chance it could occur in any given year. Uh, and it happened twice in Roanoke within a 12 month period. So, yeah, these, these flash floods, we're seeing more and more of them, especially in urban areas, more concrete as subdivisions grow, um, not really good drainage, aging sewer systems yeah. uh, in a lot of cities. So uh, the, they can't keep up and there's more and more concrete and the water can't soak in. And what used to be a farm field is now a subdivision. So, yep, that was um, yeah. Uh, while we're, we were to, to put a bow on the WEA, uh, wireless emergency alerts. Uh, I'm looking forward to those updates uh, coming out. Um, I know it, the soonest, uh, obviously the sooner the better, because when people can start seeing uh, the difference between your ordinary 60 mile per hour wind producing severe thunderstorm and a derecho, or because uh, during that derecho, uh, that was the first time I think in this market that I've gone wall to wall for a severe for severe thunderstorm warnings. And I was just saying, look, treat these like tornado warnings because that's the kind of damage you're probably going to see, <laughs> especially up north. And so I was like, just treat them. I said, Peoria is we're going to get our we're going to get some wind. We're going to get quite a bit of wind out of that, but it's probably going to be closer to what we've experienced with some of our recent storms. But I said, once you get up north, that that really starts to change. And so I think having the, those extra tags in there are going to be quite helpful of, of relaying that information to the public. Definitely. We are really looking forward to that. It's something we've been pushing for a long time, ever since the wireless emergency alerts came out. There was the focus on tornadoes and flash floods, and we said, hey, what about the really big severe thunderstorm warnings? You know, your 80-mile-an-hour wind, your two-inch hail, the stuff that's really going to have a big impact. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were finally uh, able to convince the powers of be at FEMA nationwide that, yeah, we should really start doing this, and, and uh, it's coming to fruition. We're going to see it soon. So when people hear the severe thunderstorm warning uh, while they're watching WMBD uh, and, they, and their cell phone goes off at the same time, then they'll know, hey, this thing really means business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I want to kind of switch gears is I know we're talking about the warnings, but even before we get our warnings, before we get our watches, um, what's some of the stuff we can do to prepare both as a public or just in general to get ready for severe weather season? So but before even storms are forecasted, we have a plan. We're ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, you, you know, you, you mentioned that the key thing, have a plan. Um, some families will even have it, you know, written down and, and they'll talk to talk to everybody in the household about it. The main thing is, number one, where would you go during a tornado? Uh, you know, got to have that designated best place, get to that basement underneath a sturdy piece of furniture, underneath a stairwell, something like that. That saved a lot of lives in the Washington tornado, no doubt. 
Um, the, the other thing is, um, you know, there are some things you can do uh, also uh, in the area where you go to seek shelter. Some people have told me, hey, you know, I put a whistle down there because in case my house collapses, I can blow the whistle, the first responders will be able to find me quicker. It's just something simple you can put down there. Flashlights in that area. Um, you know, and when we have severe storms, whether it's tornadoes or high wind, a lot of times we lose power uh, for sometimes, you know, Ameren and the other power companies, they do a great job to get the power going, but I'm gonna tell you, uh, you could be without power for several days, if not longer, and having, you know, some things to, to help you get through that. Um, people have also told me when they go down to seek shelter, um, you know, they'll grab their wallet, their purse, uh, keys, uh, because if they do have damage, a lot of times you have to prove that this is where I live. And if you've lost your identification, well, then how can you prove that, you know, that that's your residence if you're trying to get back into the area? Um, so there's that type of thing. Traveling, um, you know, traveling, again, keeping in mind, uh, the, the main thing is awareness. Uh, you know, where are you traveling to and what's the weather forecast for that entire route? And in that route, if you're expecting, you know, thunderstorms, uh, possibly severe with even tornadoes, you need to keep an eye out. You know, you start hearing, again, your cell phone goes off, you hear about a tornado warning, uh, know where you can seek shelter. Again, the best place is some type of public building, usually in the restrooms are the best place to take shelter. Um, Try not to get caught out in the open. If you see a storm up ahead, uh, stop on the side of the road and wait till that storm passes. Don't try to keep driving and see, well, because a lot of times these things look farther away than they really are. Uh, so that's another thing that, that people can do. Uh, so a lot of it is, is really about educating yourself about what storms are, uh, what they can do, and the awareness. Um, just if you have outdoor plans, again, uh, you know, lightning can cause injuries, can cause fatalities. So, uh, you know, look out for that. If you're out, uh, you know, with outdoor sporting events, with uh, as these start to ramp up again, um, you know, keeping an eye out for the weather and making sure that the people in charge of that event uh, are aware of what's going on and whether or not they need to uh, to to get everybody to their cars. Uh, getting into your vehicle is a safe place to be during lightning, not in a tornado, but during lightning. Uh, will keep you safe. So, you know, a lot of it is just thinking about just the fact that we're coming out of winter. It's been so cold recently and, you know, in February and now we're getting into March and things are going to start getting warmer and ramping up. Uh, now is also a good time um, to, if you don't have one, make sure you have a weather radio. Um, I always tell yes. people these are going to be your first line of defense and then our app will be your second. Um because you're going to get that warning coming across the radio likely. The first thing you hear would be that going off. And then your phone is going to follow. Usually within seconds, it's going to come up with some additional details. But the first thing, the one thing that's going to wake you up in the middle of the night is probably not going to be your cell phone. That may be on mute because you don't want to be bothered. But it's going to be that annoying alarm that you got plugged in in the corner of your bedroom. But that's going to be, and it's annoying for a reason because it's designed to get your attention and to get you to safety. Yeah, absolutely. Having that NOAA weather radio is just uh, key, very critical. Uh, we, we like to call them your own personal storm siren. You know, that's the other thing. Don't rely on the outdoor warning systems to, to let you know. Uh, we've heard people say, hey, I got, a, I got a siren within a mile or two of my house. I'll hear the siren. If the wind is blowing from a particular direction, you may not hear that siren. 
if you've got the windows closed, fans running, air conditioner running, it's in the heat of the you know late spring, summer, you may not hear that siren with the windows closed. So having that weather radio, that will be your own personal storm siren. Um, another great thing about weather radio that we are exploring, and again, this is for the near future here, probably within the next few years, is having the radios alarm for the portions of counties that we issue warnings for. Um, a lot of radio manufacturers are working on that technology as we speak. They're testing it, in fact, across the country to see how well that works. Because some people say, well, I live in a large county. I live in McLean County. It's a very big county. So if uh, Bloomington is not in, it impacted, but the far southeast part of the county around Bellflower or somewhere around there is impacted, it's waking me up in the middle of the night and I don't care about that. Well, um, this will fix that problem. So um, starting out with a weather radio is really a great place to, to be. Uh, I want to just throw this or ask this out there. I, I know um, Champagne's not in our DMA, but I figured I'd ask anyway in case we have anybody listening. Uh, any updates on the tower, uh, radio tower issue out there? Yes. Uh, in fact, um, the Champagne weather radio tower um, went off the air about a year ago. Um, we've had a lot of uh, concern from people, rightly so. Um, and the thing, the thought is, is you know that we're not doing anything about it, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, we are working, um, when I say we, I'm talking about our agency, the Weather Service Headquarters and NOAA. It's got up to the highest levels. Um, we were essentially uh, kicked off the tower we were on before. The previous tower owner had other ideas what they wanted to do with that. They told us we had to get our equipment off their tower. Um, we were prepared to move to a different tower, uh, and the person who owned the tower um, pulled out of the deal at the last minute. So we found a different tower owner to talk to, and um, we worked with them for a good six months during 2020, and then they pulled out of the deal at the last minute, um, having mainly to do with contract wording and stuff like that. Uh, and you know, and there's money involved in this too because we're leasing space on these towers, uh, and we have to have a specific tower. People have said, "Well, just put it up on any old tower, put it up on a water tower somewhere." Um, we have to be up 400 feet off the ground, and there's not a lot of towers around Champaign-Urbana that can put us up that high. Uh, but the good news is uh, we are working with a, uh, uh, a tower owner now that uh, um, is, um, it's, it's, we are making very quick progress on this. Uh, I think we're going to be able to announce something here fairly soon okay. um, as to where this tower is. And, and once we get all the T's crossed, I's dotted, and 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 the, the people that have to work on the contract negotiations with this. Uh, once that's finished, we're it's only going to be a few weeks, and we're back on the air because uh, we've got all the equipment. Our electronics people are ready to go and install it, so uh, it's it, it's going to be moving along. So we do have some progress here, and it looks very positive. Okay. And folks in those in those areas that are impacted by the loss of that tower, they could still get some sort of signal from other nearby uh, radio towers and frequencies, correct? In every area except Champaign County, okay. uh, there is there's no overlap into uh, the middle of Champaign County. Portions, edges of the county can can get from other weather radio, uh, you know, uh, signals, but not in the city of Champaign itself. Uh, now, Champaign County does have um, uh, apps and co even computer apps for people to to get information, um, and uh, that's why we always urge people have multiple ways to get weather information. We don't want anyone to have a single point of failure. 
uh, where, you know, one thing stops working for whatever reason, right. and then they have no backup. So we always have to have, it's always encouraged to have backup. Does FEMA have an app uh, available for folks for warnings, or is that is that open to the public, or is that strictly a an agency thing? The oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Did what Fe- your the, was. does FEMA have a an app of their own that for relaying weather information? Yeah. They do. Okay. Yes, FEMA has an app. Uh, the American Red Cross has an app. Um, most of the uh, local broadcasters. Uh, just, Speaking of Champaign County, uh, have apps. Um, so there are a number of different places. The problem we're running into is with some people not having mobile devices or cell phones, right. uh, or even even computers. Uh, but there is most of Champaign County. I mean, they are covered by the outdoor warning siren system, so th- they do have that. Uh, we're in constant c- communication with the emergency management officials over there. So. Um, so, the, and the, all the local broadcasters are carrying the information. So there are other ways to get that, but yes, weather radio is critical and we are working on getting that going again. And it's going to be coming, coming back soon. Okay. Uh, trying to think of questions off the top of my head. You put me on the spot, Chris. Hey, why not? <laughs> I, I, I mean, to circle back on the whole being prepared, having a plan and everything like that. If you have pets, make sure you include them in those plans. Make sure that they have food, water, so not just making sure that you yourself are prepared with medications, everything, but you include your pets in that if you have them. Uh, Excellent point, Molly, about having having, uh, things for your pets, um, medications, not only for your pets, but for yourself. Um, You know, there's a lot of of things that people can do ahead of time, pre-positioning things that you might need uh in the area where you take shelter just get yourself a tote put some things in there maybe a few spare medications and you know advil tylenol whatever some food for your pets uh if you have uh babies you know having the diapers and formula and things like that flashlights batteries a lot and i maybe an extra cell phone charger that type of thing there's all kinds of things you can put uh in that area and those are the things to uh, uh to have ahead that you can do ahead of time so yeah that's an excellent point about the pets uh, we heard a lot of that in the, in the Washington tornado where people were grabbing their pets and running to the basement. All right. Well, uh, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak with us. Is there any last minute things you'd like to add? Uh, again, just to, to remind people that, uh, you know, severe weather can strike any time of the year. And yes, we're heading into the peak season and that's why we want to make sure everybody's prepared during this time of the season but uh, please, you know, don't let your guard down uh, during other times of the year. Uh, you know, storms do kind of drop off in intensity as we had the late summer and especially fall. But we do have these peak times where they can resurface again. So, again, the main thing is, you know, be prepared at all times. You know, trust the process with the watches and warnings. We don't put these out just for every little storm that's out there. We really do analyze these things and, and we want to make sure people are safe. Uh, so, uh, um, yeah, that's really the, the, the extra message to pass along. All right. Well, as always, uh, great advice, and it's been a pleasure to talk with you, Chris. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. So how'd you guys think the conversation uh, went with Chris? This is the first our first ever Shoot in the Breeze interview. Um, you and I talked for a second and we talked about how like it went from not just question and answers to more of a conversation, which I like because it felt more relaxed as this show is. It typically is more relaxed. We see mm-hmm. it, we're always buttoned up with ties and 
you know, we're all fancy on air and very professional, but this allows us to la- at least be a little bit more relaxed. And I think we got that in our conversation too with Chris. Yeah, he had a lot of mm-hmm. great, and he had a, he had a lot of great information. Yeah. Chris oh, is. Yeah. Uh, we we've worked with Chris for uh, for me at least years, going back uh, since I first came here. He's he's always been fantastic and a fantastic source for our local National Weather Service office in Lincoln. So again, special thanks to Chris Miller for joining us. Uh, one thing we did not mention was, and I think he might have wanted us to get that in there, was uh, the National Weather Service does all these training events every every year, but this year they've gone virtual due to COVID-19. Uh, so you can sign up for that uh, through the National Weather Service's website, weather.gov. Uh, slash ILX will be, uh, and you will see the link on the top of the page there. But we're also going to have a link to it on our very own mm-hmm. website, ciproud.com. Just search for Shooting the Breeze podcast, and then we will have that story uh, link there uh, for you. But some great advice nonetheless. Just remember now is the perfect time uh, to plan uh, for severe weather. There's no reason to wait until severe weather happens. So uh, to reiterate, make your plans now. Uh, no, uh, you know, know where you're going to go during a storm. Have your equipment and, and your food supply, your water supply, your radios and your batteries and your charters, all of that important stuff for your emergency kit ready to go ahead of time. And then also, uh, I don't think we brought this up during the conversation, but also uh, after the storm, let's say you do get a big storm coming through, uh, where are you guys going to meet after the fact? Understanding that your communications may be down, your landmarks may be destroyed, your you know, that beautiful big oak tree that was on the corner of this certain intersection may no longer be there. So uh, make sure you kind of just have those conversations with your family. I always tell people that maybe have two different locations on opposite ends of town in case case your one meeting spot happens to get hit. Uh, But yeah, uh, so all great advice. And we're going to have more on this on our website throughout the week on ciproud.com. Well, that does it for our podcast, but we can't leave until we give you the corniest joke in the world, or at least the corniest joke of the week. And this time, Molly is going to send us out. What does a cloud wear under their raincoat? Thunderwear. 